Thursday, May the 28th. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Going to be bouncing around a little bit. We're going to talk about the NBA's plans to return, uh, MLB discussions with the Players Union and the owners. Um, we're going to talk uh, Friday horse racing with Scott Shapiro. We're going to focus in on the Churchill Downs late pick four. I'm going to recap my full selection for Friday. So uh, we'll get you, you'll get full card Churchill Friday. And we'll really focus in on the late pick four with Scott Shapiro. I'm going to get, we have Friday Santa Anita. We're going to recap All Elite Wrestling, their pay per view over the weekend, Double or Nothing. And then their Wednesday Night Dynamite show that just uh, finished up a few hours before I'm recording this. And then we're going to go through the best football movies bracket. Yes, folks. Another one of the That's What G Said Best Sports Movies. Brackets is upon us And this time it's best football movies We have a field of 64 set The voting will begin On Thursday After we announce them on this show So make sure to get on over to uh, It's me Gino B, follow me on Twitter And make sure to vote in all those um, polls We're going to have polls for the next week or so As we go through that field of 64 And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the sponsors of this show Don't forget about Sarah Candles If you want a candle Go to sarahcandles.com and use that promo code Gino for 10% And Cindy Carava, full service realtor, Cindy Carava So let's get right into the NBA Lots of different rumors out there talking uh, about how the NBA is planning to get back And what are some of the different options when they can return to play So let's just quickly go through um, the most recent um, some of the most recent news This was... On early on Wednesday, this is an article from ESPN from Ramona Shelburne and uh, Ramona Shelburne and uh, and Woj Momo and Woj. Uh, NBA and the NBA Players Association are progressing on a plan that would allow for a limited number of family members to join players for the season's resumption inside an Orlando, Florida bubble environment. So they're talking about the Walt Disney World Resort as a place to. Get this season started again And there are many different options of what they're they're Thinking about This is this is a good sign for Players because in The discussions With a lot of the sports returning um, A lot of the issues for some of the Players are they do not want to return In situations where they're going to have to be Away from their family for Months at a time and so Something like this in Orlando where Family members would be able to come in that would alleviate at least that part of the problem So it, it says that once the initial wave of teams are eliminated People with, um, and the bubble decreases Then the family members can come in They will be subject to the same safety and coronavirus testing protocols As everyone else that's living in the NBA's quote-unquote biosphere So teams would start to arrive in Orlando sometime in mid-July this is all still under discussion, obviously. And they don't know if there's going to be a decision finalized before June. There's a big call on Friday afternoon with the Board of Governors. So, you know, things are in, in flux, but they have discussed in a play-in tournament, something like some of the teams that are on the outside looking in have the opportunity to get in. 
they're talking about you know your traditional one through eight in the west, one through eight in the east. They're talking about um, pool play bracket similar to the World Cup, where there would be you know twenty teams, five pools or four pools of five, something simple, something like that. Were very similar to the World Cup, where then it would be like a round robin where you play each team in your pool a couple times. And then the top two teams from each pool will move on to a series format or like a knockout round. They're talking about a playoffs plus idea that includes 20 to 24 teams, including a few more teams from the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Plan possibilities for the teams like New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, and Sacramento that are vying for the postseason because the league would love to get Zion in the playoffs, right? They they wouldn't mind getting Lilliard in there also, and Lilliard has already said like so that's the thing too. If you're a team that's not gonna make, are they gonna give incentive to teams that have already been like eliminated? They've already played 65 games of the season. That's what's different from the NBA versus baseball, which we're gonna talk about next. So, if you're a team that has to come back and play 15 games, like Damian Lillard said, is he even worried about doing it? Is this only the teams that are playing for a title that are that should be coming back? Should we even worry about trying to bring all 30 teams back? And that's what said the the teams have become increasingly skeptical of the league bringing back all 30 teams. That's why they're looking at some of these, you know, things where there's 20 to 24 teams where they can eliminate the really bad teams at least from the east that would have never had a shot to make the playoffs based on their record so far. So we'll We'll keep monitoring this situation in the uh, in the NBA. Now, over in baseball, let's talk about what's been happening over the last couple days. So let's go through. This is a Jeff Passan article. Um, really good stuff from Jeff Passan on ESPN. Really good stuff from the guys on the Athletic too. Um, if you want to follow along with what's happening in baseball, so. The baseball players have already agreed when it, with the, everything happening in the season and the season getting pushed back to take a pro like a contract cut and and that they will be getting prorated contracts. Now, the owners are asking for the players to take even more cut, uh, pay cuts, and this is not sitting well with the players. So things are not really looking good right now in baseball. Some of the players are really not feeling confident. They seem to be far apart in different different things. So um, this is what Jeff Passan says in his article. Uh, Major League Baseball drew the ire of the Players Union on Tuesday with an economic proposal called for a significant cut in salaries that would affect all players and particularly the game's highest paid. So... I mean, this they're going to go back and forth on this, obviously. This is what happens in negotiations and in discussions like this. But the lowest-paid players would receive close to a full share of their pro-rated salary. The game's stars would receive far less, less than expected. So in the proposal from the owners, there was an 82-game schedule that would begin in early July after a 21-day spring training. Teams would play three exhibition games in the final week before starting a regular season that would finish on September the 27th. The Players Union, the the Players Association is really, uh, quote-unquote, extremely disappointed 
and we're also far apart on health and safety protocols. They reject this was you know this came out on Tuesday. So the league's proposal, which includes bonuses if postseason games are played, offers lower salary players a higher percentage of their expected wages and would give some of the biggest stars a fraction of their salaries. This is the formula that the league offered. Listen to this. So uh, a player scheduled to make the league minimum, which is 563000 and a prorated number based on 82 games, it would be 285000 and they want them to take a 10% cut from that figure, giving them 256000 So that's for the lowest paid players. They'd be taking that 10% pay cut. The and then it, it breaks down from there. The the highest paid players, the ones that would be making twenty million dollars a year, they're only going to be getting paid twenty percent of what their contract would be. And then it goes, it trickles down from there. Those who would be making around ten million, they're going to be making thirty percent. Those who would be making between five and ten million, they make forty percent, and then high, so up. So those that would be making that league minimum They end up getting about 72% of their money After the prorated and then after the next discount So They use the example of Mike Trout Who is the best player in baseball Has been for a while And he was planning to make 37 million Or he was scheduled to make 37 million plus this year On the prorated Which they agreed to He would be down to 19 million On this new deal he would be making 5.7 million. That's I mean when you when you look at it like that and I know all of us right we'd love to be making 5.7 million. The problem is we're not Mike Trout. Think about it like that. We don't sell the jerseys, we don't sell tickets, we don't have the, the talent. There's a reason why some of these players make that much money and and that's because they're that good. And honestly, I know the, the a lot of the kind of average fan out there we we see that we roll our eyes because they make so much more money than everybody else, but we have to think about TV, selling jerseys, getting people to pay attention. I mean, there's a there's someone like like a Michael Jordan or a, like a LeBron. They they if in like in an open market. Think about it. It's not really an open an open market. In I mean, it, they could they could be and should be worth a hundred million dollars a year to their teams. Some of the biggest stars. So this is. This is not great for baseball. Um, there would be a lot of bonuses: two hundred million in playoff bonuses, twenty-five million in for the completion of the division series, fifty million for the league championship, one hundred twenty-five million for the World Series. A significant amount of the postseason bonuses would go to higher-paid players, um, so the higher-paid players would be able to make up some of the money w- when they get deeper into the year, but. Um, this was not something that was received very well. Marcus Strobin says the t- tweeted the league is uh, the season is not looking promising. Keep the mind keeping the mind and body ready regardless. Time to dive in some into some life after baseball projects. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. Brighter times remain ahead. And uh, Brett Anderson said interesting strategy of making the best, most marketable players potentially look like the bad guys. So. In the March deal, the league agreed to pay $170 million to players regardless of whether there is a season. This now just kind of getting on to the 
more recent news. This was very recently from Jeff Passan, just uh, within about an hour of when I'm, I'm recording the show. MLB Players Association expects to counter MLB's economic proposal by the end of a week with a, a plan that includes more than 100 games and a guarantee of full prorated salaries, salaries for the 2020 season. The disagreement over economics has been ratcheted up in recent days after the league's first proposal. On Tuesday, rankled the players. On multiple phone calls Wednesday, players pledged to ignore the league's proposal and offer one of their own. Washington Nationals ace Max Scherzer is one of the eight players on the MLBPA's executive subcommittee, and he tweeted on Wednesday. After discussing the later developments with the rest of the players, there's no reason to engage with MLB in any further compensation reductions. We have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of the prorated salaries, and there's no justification to accept a second pay cut based on the current information the union has received. I'm glad to hear other players voicing the same viewpoint and believe MLB's economic strategy would completely change if all documentation were to become public. So, the the players are pissed. They're not happy. Um, they've already agreed to to you know to be played be paid on a per game scale, which feels right, right? They want they're going to be prorated. They're not asking to be paid for, um, for games that they're not playing. And so now when the the owners want to cut down to 82, the the players I think at the very least want to get back to around 100. And this is like anything, it's going to be a, a back and forth. The union's desire to play more games could be used as a chip to ne- for negotiation to re- uh, reach a return to play deal. For now if players are being paid on a prorated basis, more games will lead to larger salaries. The league has balked at a longer schedule. They are fearful at a, p- a potential second wave of the coronavirus that could wipe out the postseason and the lucrative national television money that comes with it. And in a presentation to the players, the MLB said it would lose significant money if games are played in 2020 and players receive their full pro-rated sal- uh, their full salary. The union has held firm that the agreement on March 27th between the parties ensures that the players... Their prorated share ensures the players their prorated share while the league believes that language in the agreement calls for a good faith negotiation in the event that games are played in empty stadiums. So that language was tricky. We we spoke about it when it came out. And this doesn't seem like it's close. It seems like they're going to be going back and forth for a little while. And so uh, the MLB has proposed playing games in front of no fans starting the first week in July, though that timeline could be pushed back if labor discussions stretch and uh, they need a spring training 2.0 to start in mid-June. So baseball, um, they don't... The NBA is just kind of figuring out what their plan is going to be, right? They don't seem to have any kind of real issues. It, It... it seems like with like with the owners or with the league, baseball on the other hand, they uh, yeah it doesn't seem good for baseball. And being a baseball fan, hopefully they can figure something out here um, because it's just in a time right. I, I think the players are more in the right here, right? But nobody wants to hear people arguing about you know millions of dollars at a time like this. I do feel for people because I want people 
that are talented to be able to make what they are worth in the world. And I do feel that a lot of these athletes are worth that money. But, uh, I mean, wouldn't it be great to, to have some more live sports back to watch right now? Uh, we've been very lucky for some of us that are you know high, heavy into horse racing. Wrestling has continued on. And now it seems like we're we're getting close to some leagues being able to use protocols to get up and running. I don't know if baseball is one of them. So that's unfortunate. We will see if anything happens in the next day, day and a half before we record our, our next show. And we'll uh, update you on anything we hear in the worlds of uh, NBA and baseball as far as their attempts to get back and playing. Let's take a quick break here from one of our sponsors. When we return, it's going to be horse racing. We're going to talk uh, Churchill Downs with Scott Shapiro. And then following that, I'm going to recap the full Friday from Churchill. And then we'll go into Saturday, uh, Friday from Santa Anita. So it'll be Friday Churchill with Scott. Um, and then Friday Santa Anita. Enjoy. Just wanted to remind you about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off of your entire purchase. These are all natural soy wax candle. They candles, they burn longer. They are better for you than the candles out there that have that traditional paraffin wax. I know the people from this company personally. I've grown up with them my whole life. They love candles. And the goal was to, to have an affordable candle that everyone can enjoy use that promo code G-I-N-O my favorite is fresh roses the fresh roses scent is awesome if you're a horse racing fan they got Del Mar in there you ever want to know what Del Mar smells like but you couldn't make it out there order your candle right now from Sarah Candle Company the website C-E-R-A Candles.com Sarah Candles.com promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off your purchase Well, racing is now back in full swing at some of the uh, the major racetracks around the country. One of them is Churchill Downs, and we're very happy to bring back our, our good friend, uh, a frequent guest on uh, That's What G Said, the Mike Abadir Show. Any Anything that I'm going to be talking, there's going to be Scott Shapiro on there talking sometimes. He's a good buddy that I love to talk races with. Very sharp handicapper. You see him uh, bet America, Twin Spires. You see him on the Churchill Downs track feed over there doing a great job with uh, Ed DeRosa and Joe Christofek. And we're very happy to have him on with us to talk some Friday racing. And I'm actually going to take a little advantage of you, Scott, because while we have you, we're going to double dip. I'm going to even uh, talk a little Saturday stakes races with you, too. So how you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. It's great to be uh, to have racing back at, at Churchill and in general at most places with a couple others on tap soon and uh it's been it's been kind of uh you know it's a little weird to be up at that huge building where we jam uh well over a hundred thousand people into it a couple days during the year uh where it's empty but you know it's been uh it's been nice and easy to get around and uh really have been proud of the uh product about a quarter of the way through very challenging full fields and uh high quality yeah, you guys are doing a good job. One thing that you did too is like throughout all of this, when a lot of the racetracks were um, not really running, like Ed does a great job. He he focuses you know on Fawn or like whatever racetracks run, and he's going to put something out. You guys are going to put it out on the bet share over there. Joe was doing a great job. You guys are doing a really good job with just videos and lots of other stuff that was online, making it easy for the fans and just kind of you know sharing your opinion. I thought I think you guys all did a really good job over the last couple months getting the product out there. And and then like following along with you for the last um, 
you know, few weeks since uh, Churchill's been back and running, it seems like it's been kind of like mixed emotions. Your handicapping has been damn good. It's been excellent. You've been picking a ton of winners, a ton of good priced winners. But I've seen a few times you just you've been unlucky, not able to close out a couple of the big ones that you've been alive to. I think what was it last week? You were there was one you were alive for like over six grand, and you just kind of got a. Not a great trip in the last race with the favorite It was kind of like in between, you didn't really go To the lead, you didn't take back, kind of just Got hooked, so great handicapping But it feels like the big one Is is coming soon for you I hope so, I definitely That was one where I was alive To the 3-5 to five favorite And the horse, I can't really Make excuses, I thought the horse just ran Kind of poor, yeah, I, mean, I, know it was, it, I know what you're saying but But there was two times This meet already where I've been alive To like more than half the field. I'm not a big all guy. So if I have more than half the field, that usually means I feel covered, you know? Yeah. And felt great in that final leg and have been beat. And uh, those really sting, you know? Yeah. When you get to that final leg and you get to your single, well, you know, you're still really looking for that most important opinion to be right. So, you know, kind of feel like it's okay to get beat. But when you get to those spread races and you get through the races where your strongest opinions are and you fail, those are the ones that I struggle with, especially when there's significant payouts at the end. And man, this, and the racing is really difficult, which we love as horse players. You know, that's what we want. We want big fields right now. And because of you know the cancellation of a lot of races, because a lot of stakes races in different places weren't running, a lot of that money kind of got cut because there weren't races running. We're getting these these optional claimers and these allowance first and second level allowance races that are literally deeper than a lot of graded stakes races we've seen over the last decade. So it's it's tough. But it's fun, and man, we got a couple days to look at this weekend where it just does not change at all. Like Friday and Saturday are going to be really, really contentious cards again. Yeah, you know, we've taken big steps over the last couple years at Churchill since I've been here. Such a noticeable difference, even from 2018 to 2019. Bigger fields, very competitive, a lot of top barns uh, around, and then adding in the pandemic situation with a lot of the guys from new york coming in for the first few weeks uh some other areas it really has made it that much better some of these you know fields filling up beyond you know 10 12 horses not getting in some ae list so it's been challenging i've loved it i think and hope that a lot of people on the east and west coast that maybe you know hadn't tuned into churchill will continue to do so after this realizing hey you know this is a product on the come and uh, it's not just keeneland we got you know churchill is as good as any product out there right now and uh you know i think we're definitely proving what a great product we have and we're gonna get right into friday right now so if you're listening along get your past performances out we're going to friday may the 29th and we're gonna go to race number six which is uh, the start of that late pick four sequence and we have a first level allowance race here for some uh, some really nice uh, fillies and mares, like this is a strong, interesting group here. And from a betting standpoint, it, it's probably going to be Tempers Rising, who takes a lot of money, and she's she's pretty good. You know, you kind of know what you're going to get from her, though. She sort of is a little trip dependent. She's not one that can kind of work her own trip, but she's always going to come and launch a, a late bid. She's faced some nice fillies, and she's run well at Churchill. Like she makes a lot of sense. It just I don't know if she's the type of horse with her running style that I could necessarily key in on. Yeah, I think it's worth taking a chance against her in mm-hmm. this spot. Um, mm-hmm. She obviously ran well in the Fairgrounds Oaks to finish second to Bonnie South. And 
Uh, she finished a neck away in the silver bullet day. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a big believer when it, unless it's the top couple th- three-year-old fillies that there's a huge separation in class between, you know, horses like uh, Dream, a little dream of you, and Vitante, sorry. Horse strong flag, horses like this that maybe got a little bit of a later start or maybe only have one win so far than kind of horses that Tempers Rising has beaten in those races. You know, mm-hmm. they might be a little better. But as you mentioned, the lack of speed or the lack of speed from Tempers Rising, a slow gate horse. And I don't think there's a ton of early speed in here. There's a number of horses that are tactical. But uh, I think it, if she's going to be a 5-2, to two, like the morning line suggests, that she's worth taking a chance against in the first leg. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the there's not a ton of speed in here, and, and I kind of feel the same way that you do in this race. To me, this is going to be one of the races where I'm going to spread out a little bit in the late pick four. And even from a little bit of a flyer on some of your deeper tickets, I, th- I thought the one could maybe get a little sneaky on the lead. There's just not a ton of horses that I'm going to expect that are going to go. I think there's a lot of horses that'll probably, three or four that might end up pressing in here. You know, I could see like Dream a Little Dream, could see uh, and Kurlinask and Vuitton. Even Cherokee Maiden all being kind of close up But not necessarily wanting to be right on the lead And the one could sneak away and at least Maybe hold on for a share underneath But some of the other horses in here that you already mentioned It feels like after Tempers Rising, I guess if you're, if you're going to start With her and figure, am I going to use her Go against her, what am I going to do? Then there's like another Tier that it feels like, and that second tier Is kind of Dream a Little Dream of You Strong Flag and Envu Tante So of those three, who do you in the, I guess, who do you like to take a page out of Scott Shapiro? <laughs> I do agree that Rhea Monk, you would think the one horse would be sent coming out of the sprints. Really no other chance to, to, to make a dent in this race without sending from the rail. And Tyler Gaffleon, who's been riding real smart and real well. I, I, I'm going to use uh, two horses in this race. I'm still kind of separating. I think, I think I prefer number three, Dream a Little Dream of You, though. Um, two starts on the turf. This was a well-meant Brad Cox horse from right away. I uh, heard about this horse before her first race at fairgrounds was wide that day and ran a pretty good second on debut. Not easy to win going two turns on the turf first start, unless you're a Chad Brown trainee. That is. Uh, and then the second start really showed what, uh, what I expected to see from this horse. Not sure what she beat in there. Well-respected. The second-place horse came back and just ran okay at Churchill already this meet. And then I think you can make an excuse for the April 10th race where she was wide most of the way. And the winner of that race, Peace of My Heart, came back to win the Gardenia, which was a stakes race at Oaklawn. So you know it was a pretty strong race. Strong flag who was in this race as well, finished second, but kind of picked up the pieces when Dream a Little Dream of You tried to win the race. And, you know, you get that inside trip for the first time for Dream a Little Dream of You. She's been outside all three starts. So maybe she can sit the pocket. Maybe Sean Bridgman will will send and be aggressive. But either way, I think she's a major player in here. And then number eight, Enbutante, a little bit of a tougher read. Uh, she had that one really strong race where, in terms of Brisnet speed rating, she ran by far the best of any of these in that race, 100, and ran off the screen on April tw- uh, on April 2nd beating Token and Assume. Token was a little bit headstrong and a horse that's really struggled to relax for Bill Mott. But uh, then I'm not really sure why he tried the turf with her in the uh, Honey Rider. But, um, you know, that and, and McPeak off to a slow start. 0 for 6 hasn't hit the board yet. So that's, you know, I think if she runs her A race, she beats this group. I think there's a chance. I'm I'm more confident that Dream of Little You, uh, Dream a Little Dream of You, runs her race. But in terms of a pick four, I'm going to just use the both for them. And and I think within Vutante, the outside draw I think might help her a little bit more 
than being down on the inside because she's not one that she doesn't need the lead, but yeah. she 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 went she I think when she when she broke her maiden she was super impressive. I think Davis was just like I I'm on the best horse in here. I'm just gonna go. You know I'm gonna just ride her like she's the best and put her on the lead because there was a pretty quick horse named Assume that day that she actually got in front of because I remember her playing Assume thinking Assume might be able to sneak away in that field and she was just like Nah I, I got yeah, you today. She buried her. Yeah, yeah. no thank you. Um, <laughs> and um. And then you're right, it was weird kind of going back to the turf Off of that big, big win But yeah, she, I, I can't leave her Out of tickets, and Dream a Little Dream of You, I think, is is absolutely the one For me, that's like the ma- the Major player in here, and the one that I'm going to be Using on all exotics, and then we, we I guess let's just mention Strong Flag a little bit I, I, do, I just don't know what to do with her I was really disappointed in why In her last art, and it didn't really find Any legitimate excuses, I mean She just, she just wasn't really asked for much And she was just kind of, it was like a lazy Effort she just didn't do a whole lot And I'm wondering if they're going to try To get her closer today with with the speed They've shown from her a little bit more Recently in the mornings I just She's I got mixed feelings on her You know I just don't I really don't know what to do with her Yeah she's a tough read they spent $435,000 for a daughter Of strong mandate so they thought they were Getting something good strong mandate stands for Just $5,000 and you mentioned Maybe trying to get a little closer Which is possible because there's not a ton of speed uh, or a lot of like real speed and the maiden win, although it was in the mud was when she sat second. So um, it'll be interesting because she's kind of in between a couple horses that could show speed. So Ricardo yeah. will have to be aggressive, which he's definitely capable of. Um, yeah. Mixed emotion. She mm-hmm. would kind of be my third horse if I needed to. And, and maybe Kerlin ask is, is a long shot, just worth mentioning, and mainly because Cherie DeVoe has started out so hot at the meet now. Both those wins came on opening day over and off going, but big price, one over this racetrack. Probably a horse I'm not going to use because of just the way that my structuring is going to work out, but just thought she's worth mentioning. Yeah, and she could, you know, she, she I'm not a fit. She just hasn't run a whole lot lately, you know, which I don't, I don't love. She had the layoff and then been off another couple months now after that. But yep. there's not a ton of speed, and she could definitely be sent, you know, fresh and and be one of them. Like I, I'm assuming, you know, the one or the seven, as from like a long shot perspective, is going to be sent. And those are horses that you could definitely use at least if you're not wanting to use them in the pick four and or pick fives, like at least in the Bottom of some of your exotics if you're playing you know Exact as tries supers because yeah Somebody could get brave in here and hang around for a while Let's uh let's move to Race number seven and uh, This is another a fun one What makes this race so difficult Scott is that there are a ton Of horses in here who I think have A lot of talent but they're Like almost all of them are coming off Of a clunker Almost the whole field There's only like two or three horses that ran well One of them is Troubling Moon And the, the problem is we haven't seen him since You know the end of November of last year And everybody else in here for the most part Has a little more recency So that's what made this race a really interesting one to handicap Yeah I thought this was extremely tough Worth noting Keep an eye on the also eligible list A couple of the horses that will be favorite Or I think probably will be favorite Could if they draw in honest mm-hmm. mischief and volatile, but yep. I guess we'll speak as if um, they're probably not going to get in. I, you know, most horses are not scratching unless it's weather related on dirt races at this point. Um, I thought this was the spread race of the yep. sequence. Uh, I definitely thought that the horses that were lowest on the morning line, number eight, called Creek Hustle, four to one, definitely capable of winning this race, but not sure he's taken a step forward. In his four-year-old campaign, thought he ran well in the Gulfstream Park Mile, but the two—that that is a long sprint. But um, 
the the uh, the April eighteenth race. I know it's a Grade Three versus Whitmore Flagstaff, and Manny while was in there. He he should have picked up the pieces a little. Absolutely, more. he should have been better that day. I mean, he was he was making it three wide bid, and he just had nothing late. And Flagstaff ran right by him. Oh, just he really right did. By him. Like, yeah. and that was the kind of move that we've been coming to expect from Hog Creek Hustle. And what, like, I'm completely in agreement with what you said about him. Like, I I. I'm fine with using him, and it actually does look like the race might shape up, shape up for him because there's a couple speeds, and a, you know, you'd imagine that he could get a little pace now going seven. But with him and Joel, they concern me together too. Like Joel loves to drop way far back sometimes, and he's aw- he's awesome nah, on his yeah. good days. But this could just be a bad marriage if they get a little too too far back here. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I definitely agree, and he's a hard horse. I really like this horse in general, mm-hmm, but. Me too. I made an excuse for him on January 18th, a three-horse field when Bobby's Wicked One jogged on the lead. I thought, okay, well, that means nothing, right? And then the Gulfstream Park Mile, they went crazy, and he ran good, and he was up closer than normal. But, the, you know, he just hasn't run a, a race back to that. You know, he got a real big number in the Breeders' Cup sprint, but I'm not sure if that's a little bit phony just because of what it was. But he really hasn't run back to those races in the summer uh, at the Woody Stevens and the Jerkins. Those are his best races, and... Mm-hmm. Not sure he's the same horse. So I thought if you're spreading, you know, I usually like to try to leave off the lower price horses when yep. I'm spreading because you turn a four to one into an even money if it they win. Sense. Yeah, it's just if right. you're spreading, it, you're, you might as well be spreading without the short priced horses because that's not your opinion. Otherwise, you just kind of key in on them and, and move it, away. Exactly. A very important part of strategy. There's going to be times where you wish you would have used those logicals, but long term, you're going to profit or save money Absolutely. on the times when you lose. So, uh, number five, Troubling Moon has been very impressive when racing, but very odd. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a reason, but um, the fact that he was off after the win when he's been lightly raced, I'm not sure what to make of it. And then it looks, you know, he's coming in off of just two four furlong yep. works at Keeneland. I, this has a look of a prep for me Yeah, seven um, furlongs too off the bench I think he's probably a little bit better going a little bit longer This might not be an easy spot But this is a good, like the, the seven furlong or six and a half races Are good races to come back and prep Because you can take a lot out of them Exactly, exactly And Maniwa, 0 for 2 at seven furlongs um, Kind of tripped out to get third in that race The kind of uh, uh Kind of effort I would have liked to see from Hog Creek Hustle, to be honest. I yeah. you know, didn't expect him to beat maybe Whitmore and Flagstaff. But and fourth start of the forum cycle, maybe a tiny bit over the top. I'm not totally against, but be interesting to see with Corey Lannery aboard, likes to save ground like he did in that April 18th uh, count fleet. Not sure what kind of trip he'll get. So those are the ones, if the AEs don't draw in, that are the lowest on the morning line. None of them totally scare me. And then you have the two-speed rare form. Uh, the Churchill Downs Racing Club owns this horse. He he only knows one way to go. He, yep. He's he's got a he's going to go from the rail. And early mischief only knows one way to go. He's going to go from the outside in the second start. So there's a good chance they hook up. And you got Sw- Aiden in there too, right next door to Rare Form, who's you know probably going to be really close to them too. He just went sub twenty two last time out. Yeah, and and I think maybe he's one of the horses I'm going to definitely use. But real quick, I, I think I'm a, the only thing I'm slightly concerned of is, is Joe Talamo, good rider, um, not having a great start to the meet, but does miss the break quite often. So if for some reason he misses the break, you know, it could leave early mischief or absolutely Aiden in a good spot um, early. 
So I don't know how I feel about rare form. He keeps running into these races where they go crazy on the front end. Keep wanting to find him in a spot where he's going to be loose on the lead. But I don't think this is definitely doesn't look like that. Yeah, spot. I don't think, and from the rail, too, is not going to be easy, too, being down inside. I, I, I kind of agree with you. So it feels like as we start eliminating horses, I think we might kind of end up on a couple of the same ones. The two for me that I'm really looking at and and hoping that they bounce back a, a little bit are the three and the four, uh, Boulder and Baracho. Yeah, the, I'm going to definitely use Boulder, who's been over his head in the last two races taking on Whitmore, Mr. Jägermeister, and those in the Hot Springs, a five-horse field, just not at that level. And then he was over a wet, fast track in the Oaklawn Mile. I mean, Tom's Ta. first off, I think he's a one-turn horse. And second of all, he's taken on the best, you know, arguably the best older, you know, handicapped yeah. horse in, in, in the States. So totally forgivable efforts there. And the fact that Steve put him into those races makes me believe that he thought he was ready for a step forward this year and he could get a real good trip. Um, Seven furlongs kind of seems perfect for him too. He's only been the trip one time, but he's kind of like, it seems like going longs a little too long and six furlongs he can win at, but this actually might be like a perfect trip for him. And he has that kind of speed to get in position but he can close, so he might get it like that fifth, tr- like sitting fourth or fifth in here kind of a trip that we we we're expecting might work out really well. Yep, and Tyler Tyler can be a little bit rough with those ground saving trips. He gets caught on the rail a lot, and I'm a little nervous about that. Um, but uh, that's a horse I'm going to use real quick before I want to hear what your your thoughts on Baracho. But absolutely, Aiden. Is a horse that I think is moving in the right direction. Yeah. He's got two wins and three starts at Churchill. Like you said, I'm a little bit concerned that he gets caught up in a pace duel with rare form and early mischief. But if he can just relax right off, then he could get the jump on these. And if he's gone well, he's 15 to one on the line. I don't want to get beat by him. Yeah, and in a spread race, those are the kind of horses that we absolutely have to be using um, because you know. It's just I always like using a horse like this that I know has got a little bit more speed. If you're from from a, like like a long shot perspective too, I always prefer a horse that I know is going to at least give us a run for our money than a horse who's going to be coming from the clouds, which unfortunately might be Baracho, who uh, yeah, who, who we talk about. He, he, like uh, I just don't know what you know. I, I'm willing to give him a shot in here because I think the race shapes up, and I'm I'm okay with making excuses. For his last two, I, I guess you know I'm, I'm the the last the Jerkins fine with making an excuse for that one, right? We haven't what about seen the him last one, but the last one was the one that I had a, a tough time with more. You know, he he had a weird start. It wasn't it wasn't bad, but th- that shouldn't really bother him that much because he's a horse that drops back anyways. He's not going to be up in the mix that wouldn't like change his running style. He the only thing I'll say is this was not the first time that he ran poorly at Gulfstream. And so that's why I might be willing to give him another shot Because I just don't know if sometimes Gulfstream Park is the type of racetrack That's best for his running style Where he wants to take back and make one late run Global Campaign was really good that day The horses who were you know, Up front were, were basically you know, Sitting great trips throughout So I just, I'm willing to give him another excuse Because we'll, kind of what, what we've done We've started eliminating other horses And we get down to a few Where I think I'm I, I hate I hate the recent form of his less than I think some of the others in here. So I, I have Boulder and and Baracho and and then after that it, to me it kind of it's red too. I thought the speed horse you mentioned, Aiden and uh, Early Mischief. What do you do with a horse like, you know, Home Base or Bourbon Calling, Lexitonian like all of those horses 
are capable of winning a race like this if they show up with their best. But and we, that's, I think, yeah, and that's what I think is key that you mentioned because there's so much that could happen in this race, and there's so many horses where their best wins this. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I want, I want prices yep. now. Home base's advantage is he really gets out of the gate well and gets a good spot every time. It seems like, you know, I don't know if he's gonna. I don't know if his best is good enough to win this unless everybody else kind of doesn't run their yeah, best. Yeah, that, that November twentieth race would be pretty close at Churchill. That was a big. That, that was one of my better. Yeah, that was a big. That I liked him that day. And yeah. He had that outs. He got the outside trip, and the, my prop. My concern in this race is. Maybe the way it shakes out, he'll get that outside stalking trip because the inside will go and the outside, and he can kind of swoop in. But if he gets caught in the middle, he's not good enough to overcome yeah. this. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, he had a perfect trip on that February 17th, um, $60,000 ungraded stakes race at Gulfstream, and just had enough that day uh, to fight off a pesky early entry. Lexitonian, God, Jack Sisterson's doing a good job, man. I mean, he gets a lot out of these horses that a lot of them come from bigger barns or, you know, maybe not, I don't want to say better barns, but bigger barns. He's been doing it with a lot of these horses. He pays a little more attention than some can. And that's yeah. what ends up happening when you're a smaller barn, you know what I mean? And that you can just give these horses a little bit more of a, you know, a TLT, a more you know? Yeah, yeah, just a little more love. <laughs> and, and, and he, like, something like the, Fe- he's jumped up with a couple big efforts, you know, that Chick Lang was huge, and then something like the Phoenix would absolutely Phoenix win this huge. race. huge, yeah, and I, I can forgive the the effort from the rail off the bench against sure. that group and the Count Fleet, so, and you get, a, you know, Tyler Gaffley on riding just about as good as anybody right now, I like that, you get him for the first time, so at 21, I'm 20 to 1 on the line, I'm using him, and then Bourbon calling to me is a use, terrible gate horse, but loves it at Churchill Downs, um, and gets off the rail, which should help, you know, you wouldn't think that his running style would benefit too much, but maybe he's just not getting out of the gate well a lot of times because the inside. Maybe you can make the excuse. The March 28th race was wrong. They were, you know, the top three horses were all prominently placed. In all that the way race. around. Yep. Yeah, so I'm not going to get beat by him rolling from the back. So a number of horses in here that are going to be good to great prices, and I'm really hoping to, to bust things open. Yeah, I think we mentioned a, a lot of the key ones there too. I'm I'm probably willing to give Maniwa a little bit more love than you than you were, and, and maybe it'll be because he's a little bit more of a price. I do worry about the outside trip, but he maybe can just kind of fall into a race. And I guess one of the positives about him is maybe he threw in his clunker two starts ago, and he's rounding Whoa. back into form because it just <laughs> yeah. handicapping this race was crazy because you're you're trying to make excuses for you know mostly everyone's poor last race or so, and um and. So many of these can come back to life and, and show up with a big performance I think you also mentioned a key point If there are any scratches Make sure to check that AE list Because, I mean, any of the three Even the Honest Mischief, Arthur's Hope Volatile, you know, KJ's Nobility Is is not Probably as is, is good as some of these But that's a sharp one that even, you know, if you got in Could maybe use underneath So some live horses on the also eligibles list If they get in, in that seventh race As we move to race number eight Now we got a five furlong Turf sprint allowance race here Which um, Again you're looking at You know a ton of horses who You know have not run in quite Some time at least some of the, the major contenders Just from looking at the uh, The the morning line when you or when you, or when you Talk about totally boss hasn't run In a while bulletin hasn't run in a while Leinster hasn't run in a while extravagant Kid even a few months those are the Horses that are going to take probably the bulk of the Action um, so where do you start in this race 
Well, I think in like all races and even more so in these turf sprints, you got to kind of look at what the with how much speed or the pace that's mm-hmm. signed on before you do too much else. And for this kind of race, there's not a ton of early zip. So it would what I would probably do is is try to eliminate horses that are going to come from way out of it. The uh, we're going to be in lane two on the turf course on Thursday and Friday. So speed is a little bit tougher, saving the inside of that course for Saturday's turf race, the big uh, race we'll talk about a little later. So there's some horses in here that I respect, but that are going to come from well out of it that maybe I'm willing to leave, leave off or put maybe as more of a backup. Um, I think that well-abled will be on the lead for Larry Ravelli, but it's a, it's a step, believe it or not, uh, it's a step up in class. I know some of these stakes races, some of these are stakes races that he's been in, but this this might as well be. There's not many stakes yeah. races for these five furlong turf horses. It's an eighty-eight thousand dollar purse. These are stakes horses. Yep. These are some of the you know they're not the best, but it's the second tier. And I mean, a couple of these horses were took significant money. Totally boss Leinster in the uh, Breeders, Breeders Cup, Cup turf yep. sprint. Yep. So I'm I'm looking at this as a as a basically a Grade Three type race. I like most in terms of price and horse you know if you combine the two of them i like number three real news we're together yep all right all right um you know showed showed some talent got off to a good start obviously to the career uh then they tried stretching out a couple times ran respectable then they tried the dirt and and then we're talking about 2019 and uh didn't work out but only lost by less than two legs really has not run a bad race never no and then, but then they gave the the turf sprint a chance back to the turf sprint after the uh, after the break and ran a real good race to win on December twelfth, and then ran another good race along with Fast Boat, who's on the AE list in here. Uh, I think that Colby Hernandez is going to get the pocket trip or potentially uh, can angle out and get you know stock. Either way, should be sitting second or third in this race, and is a horse that has a little bit of recency, not a ton. I mean, it's less late january but i'm not that concerned gino i'm not sure about you no. in terms of layoffs with any of these horses because i mean five and a half furlongs turf spray i mean you know you want to be fit but i think less than maybe some other races How do absolutely you agree absolutely agree because they'll and and for the most part most of these horses are are pretty well versed they're kind of veteran horses they know this trip you know they know this yep. this like turf sprint so it's just not like something new for uh for the majority of the contenders in here I think he's just going to sit the great trip, right? Like he's going to be maybe right behind Bulletin and well abroad. We'll see what ends up happening with Bulletin, what what the plan with with uh with him is. And he, I mean, he sat just off. He was really nice. He was three deep. He made a four wide move at the top of the lane. He was really confidently handled in a, like a, a well measured win there at Sam Houston. And what I like too. He, if you, when you talk about like just winning off of a layoff, he actually won a turf sprint in December off of a layoff very similar to this from June to December. So he actually has fired fresh before in a similar stance, and he won his debut. So we know that he can fire fresh. We've seen him do it multiple times. I think he's a great, great fit in here. I might end up playing one late pick four where I actually single him in this spot like and spread out around because I just think this is the type of horse I like to single, even if he gets cut down to five to one, which he very well could be. This could be a race where there's a bunch of four or five to one shots, right? It kind of looks a like great, that great. He's a great single in terms of being contrary. And I think this will either be a spread race. And for those that aren't spreading, he's not going to be a single. So you already, if he wins, you separate yourself from spread tickets by being lighter and giving yourself either more coverage or using less money. 
um, or people that single him are going to be few and far between. So I really like that. Let's mention a couple of the other uh, contenders in here. So we have Totally Boss and Leinster. They kind of feel a little similar on paper. They both come out of the Breeders' Cup. They um, they didn't they didn't really fire that day. Leinster was kind of mid pack in between. Totally Boss just had a, a lot of troubles. Unlucky from the rail. Never never had a shot from that trip. So with them, I kind of have Totally Boss, Leinster, an extravagant kid in kind of the next tier. Um, with them, any of them that you love, don't love, uses, not uses. I am, you know, totally boss and Leinster are, are kind of these horses that find find themselves, you know, they start their career doing other things and, and then they find their trip. As you mentioned, these horses, these veteran horses know this trip and they're almost robotic. They're very hard for me to not want to use, uh, except for the fact they will be shorter prices than yeah. real news. I think extravagant kid might be on the downside of his career. He's a seven-year-old. He's won 13 races. Uh, I didn't like his last race. He just in the turf never bash. got into it. I couldn't nope. find any excuse for it. Yeah. No. Nope. And then his last couple wins are, you know, he's got two with those two wins, but one of them's a five-horse field washed off the turf at Gulfstream, where he was the six-to-five favorite. That doesn't do much for me. And uh, you know that's a that's a good effort in the uh, in the Florida bred or Sun, Sunshine Millions, but his turf races just haven't been that great. The he won a Colonial, but. Um, I don't know, and it's one of those deals where Joel again. We, you know, we love Joel, but is he gonna, is he gonna be too patient with this horse, or is he gonna time it, or does he even fit this horse well? Who needs to kind of be a little into closer, the race? maybe? Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm willing. He's a seven to two second choice. I think I'm gonna be willing to let Extravagant Kid beat me, um, unless maybe I'm playing an aggressive single on one of the other legs. So there's one horse I want to mention, and there's if there's anyone else, uh, feel free afterwards. If you're going to spread out a little bit, and so if I play one ticket where I single real news, I'll come back and I'll play another ticket where I use a couple other horses in this race. And uh, and one of them that I am going to use is Wilbo. And the, the the main reason being, he you know, when you look back at his turf races, he's he's been on the turf five times, not a whole ton. And, and they were like a long time ago earlier on in his career. And a couple of the efforts weren't bad, but what I like about him is, he is one of the few horses in this race that has some semblance of recency. If mm-hmm. if everybody in here is maybe just a little short or most of these horses are, you know, they had different plans or this is kind of step one for them going longer, he's the type of horse who just could end up being a little bit fitter right now than anybody else. I think at least in underneath in some of your exotics because he could kind of fall into it too, um, maybe from off the pace a bit. So um, a price to use underneath. But for me, this is all about real news. I think um, I-, I like him a lot. He's going to be like one of my major keys. Um, anyone else you like in here to mention? Well, Wilbo's a super cool horse. Chris Hartman, a good horseman, for those that don't know him. And this horse has won 13 times. And I guess the one thing worth noting is he tried to get him on the turf twice towards the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. And they, well, or, or either that or he was hoping for wash-offs, but he entered him in those races. So it's not as if he hasn't tried to get him on the turf. I did think it was a weird spot, but he ran he ran really well last time to yeah. win that race at Oklahoma where I didn't really like him. Um, I guess you got to at least, you know, you mentioned Bulletin quickly. Uh, yeah. You know, these horses that are good at two uh, and early in three and then tail off generally are horses I don't like, but you got to at least give a little bit of respect. Steve Asmussen first time and uh, Ricardo. And like you said, he could be amongst those uh, prominently placed. Yeah. We just wonder, is he the same horse? Uh, and, and, you know, if he gets loose, he, he, you know, he probably, you'll probably be nervous if you didn't use him on your tickets, if he's got a length or two lead, you know, turning for home, but I'm probably okay with letting him beat me in here. 
Um, he's still kind of got that name um, You know, you, we know him as a, a little bit more on the name Than what he's done recently As we move to race number 9 uh, To close things out, we've got 20 non-2s So I guess we got to have to start with um, What are we going to do with the horse The number 2 Predator Who was a uh, $175,000 purchase Is in for 20 non-2 Was in a uh, two-horse race <laughs> Last, uh, last time out <laughs> Was in a match race And finished second uh, was, was just never really... Had a shot in that race after, and was kind of a little slow, and then was always like up against it. But if he shows up with a good effort, he's you know obviously got speed and and probably good enough to beat a group like this. But seven furlongs might, and it's it's a little bit long. Is he going to be on the lead? There might be a little other speed in here. Like there, he he doesn't seem to me like at least anyone that would be like a standout cinch late single. Is he for you? No, I can't. I can't get excited about this horse. No. It seems weird. Uh, not that you know the first two races. Don he got hammered at Keeneland, lost the Silver Prospector, comes back in a hundred fifty thousand dollar race, which um, kind of already starts to show me that they're not overly excited about their hundred seventy five thousand dollar purchase. You know, probably not going to get claimed, but kind of trying to you know the big purses, the special weight purses. They don't think he's good enough. To win that so they kind of come th- with that to get the maiden broken then we don't see him and he got embarrassed in that race I, you know i mean you can it's hard to make an excuse yeah um and now he shows up for 20 i mean he might have got his heart ripped out that day a um and b this is just not a pattern i like now brad cox amongst the best there is at knowing where to spot his horses and if he's spotting him for 20 tells me you know, he's this probably be, not going to run off the screen. Yeah. yeah, this is probably where he belongs, and it might be trying to get someone to just come claim this guy and uh, and take him off their hands. You know, I'm um, I'm willing I'm willing to let him beat me as well as number five, the other the second choice, Uncle Momo, who's three to one on the line. That's funny. Uh, so am I. Yeah. Yeah, and Uncle <laughs> Mo that sold for forty thousand at Keeneland. That's already a, a knock against to me. Doesn't start until his four year old campaign. For a barn that you know loves to get them rolling and is thinking you know derby with any any horse they get, especially Uncle Mo's, he wins that first start at Fairgrounds for Special Weight Company. You would think they would be excited, and what do they do? They enter him for a tag, you know, right so, away. Yep. Yeah, and he runs terribly in that race. Hidden Ruler, Box of Chocolates, Market King, those are okay horses, but he lost. I mean, when I say okay, they're okay like that. They, he loses by twenty lengths that day. Now he's in for twenty. Not a good pattern there either. So I think this is another race in the sequence that could be ripe for a price. Yeah, for me, I think the three horses that I'm going I'm to be using are the uh, the eight, nine, and ten. And I think I'm going to start with the nine, Alex's Strike, who is coming off of a troubled trip. You know, let's be honest. I think if people watch the replays, you'll probably see um, broke well. Then had then they they took back. And was they were last, they were about 10 lengths off And came rolling up the inside, ran into a little traffic Had to go in between, closed a ton of ground late Seven furlongs seems like it should fit beautifully um, And uh, I'm expecting to the, at least the two Predator are going to be sent And the five Uncle Momo going to be forwardly placed I think the three's got a little bit of pace in here too So going seven furlongs, they could be gasping for air late And I think Alex's strike probably gets a great setup in here um, I'd use the eight. I'd use the ten. Um, give us some of your uh, your stronger opinions in this field. Well, I definitely like the nine. Alex's strike most amongst those three horses. 
he wins that race if he doesn't get stopped. Yep. It was yep. another one of those examples of Tyler kind of getting stuck on the rail that I was speaking of before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he 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 beats that field, I think, if he doesn't get stopped. And the other races, the other two races before it, a little less exciting. But this horse has can finish, and if they're staggering home at seven, which is a big difference than six. He certainly could be the one picking him up. Irish Spirit, probably a defensive use for me. I don't love the fact that his lone win came on a loose lead going slow at two turns and really hasn't until last time at Will Rogers run well otherwise um, or that well. But he's going to get a pretty good trip in here. And if he can mm-hmm. relax, he probably, you know, can kind of time it right. And Deodoro's off to a good start. And uh, the other one I'm going to use is number three to the front. Um, this horse... Uh, debuted for 20 for Hartman and Lannery, back to them, and didn't really do all that much running, but they protect him at Will Rogers, and I thought he ran well uh, in that race. It was a good ride by Ken Towhill, uh, but he pulled away late, and to note in there, the runner-up, Baptism, came back to win by eight and a half lengths, and the third-place finisher, our vision, was six to five, is now 0 for four, but has four kind of races that, you know, are, are solid, so... It's it's probably a, you know sometimes coming in from other tracks special weights to this uh, spot wouldn't be a drop but I think this is a drop but I think it's a realistic spot they only spent eighty five hundred and I kind of think that Corey Lannery could get a pocket trip here which yeah would I be agree advantageous yeah if if Predator sends if Uncle Momo sends you can maybe save all the ground right on the inside um, that's fine with me at at a at a nice price in here too so yeah I think we both. Have the the exact same approach in that we don't love Predator, we don't love Uncle Momo. I mean, I'll I'll enjoy playing. They're going to be five to two shots and three to one shots down the road that I think you and I like a little bit better. So we we won't mind if they end up beating us in this ninth and final. Man, this is you know I I kind of handicapped them individually before we spoke. I mean, if if we I hit love this. the sequence, I love <laughs> no. I if love we hit more, this, it could pay huge. I even mean. more than Saturday, I love it because it just feels like vulnerable favorites. And you yeah. know what? We saw a lot of vulnerable favorites last weekend end up winning. So maybe this is the weekend where some of these it's gonna the, the trend's gonna gonna even out a little bit. There were like every horse that was worth playing against last weekend. They were really talented, but they all and they all came back and ran huge. So this weekend, maybe that'll be a, our approach again in a Good Friday card. So uh, Scott, we're going to take a, a little pause Because now we're going to head on over And we're going to talk a little bit of, uh, of Saturday But don't go anywhere folks And a big thank you to Scott For talking about that late pick four It's a fun sequence So I'm going to roll through um, some of the plays Earlier on on the Friday card And um, I won't spend a whole ton of time On the late uh, part Because we, uh, we got into it a lot there But I will have um, Scott on um, I, I did record our conversation with Scott On the two Saturday stakes races For Churchill Downs So I'm going to play that on the, the next episode When we cover the Saturday racing from Churchill And the Saturday racing from Santa Anita So it was cool uh, I really appreciate Scott giving me a little extra of his time We were able to talk some Friday and some Saturday racing And get a little ahead of things Let's go to Churchill Get your past performances out I'm sure they're already out because we've been talking uh, But I'm, we're going to go back to race number one a little bit. Let's go a little earlier in the card. And the five horse super dude. This is race one at Churchill on Friday. To me, I think you have to use in your early pick fives. He was bumped around. He was in traffic. He was in between horses early. He was three deep before. He was three lengths off, but he was always in a tight spot. He moved up to fourth, but he was still in between. He kept trying hard, despite never really looking comfortable. 
I would love to see him sitting, you know, third or fourth behind, um, you know, Curlin Rules, behind Lusitano in here. I like this cutback to the one-turn mile. Should have a little more late punch. Give me Super Dude on top. Make sure to use him in all of your exotics. The one, Jungle Warfare. Um, I think you, you, you'll you get a good trip Saving ground from the inside Making a late rally So um, you're not a horse that's going to you know Get you rich at the windows But probably one you want to use in the early pick 5 also The 6 Fort Peck You can make legitimate excuses for this one So you know toss the grass race Toss the The race in July Of 2019 And then coming back from the bench On September a little bit of trouble in, in the slop A couple starts back at Laurel You start to cross out some of the races where He had some legitimate excuses And his form looks even better He is the type of horse who can sit a really nice trip So let's use Fort Peck in, the, in our exotics And then you probably want to use Curlin Rules He has the speed in here I'm I'm just a little concerned with Lusitano right next door That these two might be knocking heads throughout in here And they may not be Really ready to roll late So to me, it's five one six three. I'm gonna play two different early pick five uh, sequences. I'll have a slightly different approaches in them, but I will use one three five and six on one. And then on another ticket, I'll probably use all. Um, just looking at this, if Lusitano, break, I mean, you can make cases for most in here. But I, I like uh, Super Dude. If we can get like five to one, let's make a win wager there and one three five six to kick things off in race number two. This is a two-year-old maiden special weights. So you have Nautilus from the inside for Brad Cox, who is right about where he sits, about 18% the last five years with two-year-old first-time starters. Was uh, six for his last 23 to end 2019. He won his last couple to end the year. He has two in here. Um, you're going to have the inside and the outside with Nautilus and Nick's front. I prefer Nick's front mainly because of the outside draw. I think Nick's front actually just has a little bit of uh, of everything that I'm looking for with a first-time starter versus Nautilus, who is a half-road to a horse named Baracho, who we're going to see a little later on in the card. Scott and I talked about Baracho, and uh, Nautilus is a cephalopod. It's a cousin of the squid and the, uh, the octopi. Baracho is grade one placed, 200, uh, over 200,000 in earnings. I just don't love the rail The two medicine tail This barn just doesn't really win a a ton They're capable with first time starters Um, 14 for the last 120 plus But they're 9 for 70 with 2 year old uh, With 2 year old firsters I I just like some of the others more in here The dam was 0 for 3 but she has produced um, 9 foals to race, 5 winners All multiple winners, foals combined Um to earn uh, over 104 of them combined uh, Four of them have earned over 150 So New York won The barn, uh, this one, the Chapman barn Is 4 for 61 with first time starters But 0 for their last 29 The dam of this one won a couple times A um, couple at Prairie Meadows Three foals, none have won Casadero You can make a legitimate case for this uh, Two year old son of Street Sense And the Steve Asmussen trainee Dam was a nine-time winner, multiple graded stakes winner, almost 1.2 million in earnings. Six foals to race, four winners. They've all combined to earn just a, a, about 500,000. 
Barnes 17% with first-time starters with a 900-horse sample, and they're 16% with two-year-old first-time starters. So pretty steady with the numbers. Casadero, city in uh, western Sonoma, northern California. And then we have El Casadora. The dam of this one was a six-time winner. This is the first full of La Casadora. But the barn is 0 for 35 with first-timers over the last five years. I had some fun with some of the names in here because I was kind of I was looking some of them up that I didn't know what they meant. Uh, Pakime, about Pakime, I remember this one, the prehistoric archaeological site in the Mongol civilization. It was one of the biggest, earliest settlements in Mexico in the Western United States. How about that? Fun with the names. Still think this one looks like a long shot. You don't see 50 to 1 on the morning line all too much, and you have a couple of them back-to-back. Uh, the dam didn't win. Four fulls to race. Three winners. One of them won it two, and uh, the barn is 0 for 3 with first-timers over the last five years. Our commission, another one who seems to be in tough. The dam of this one did win six times, and this is her first full, and the barn just has not shown a lot of success. They're 0 for 21 with first-time starters over the last five years. Orb of the Boro. Dam was just one for 15, but produced six foals to race. All of them have won. Five multiple winners. Four have earned over 100000 One of them won it too. This barn isn't known for being good with first-time starters. They're just one for 18 the last five years. I think this horse has a shot. Orb of the Boro. I like the fact that Garcia takes the call in here. Throw him in on your early pick fives. The Nine Dower, Dam Unrace, First Full, no firsters in the DRF database for this bar in the last five years. Just not enough information to really go off in here. And then the Tyson Fury fans are out with the Gypsy King. Very live for Wesley Ward. The Dam was a three-time winner, earned $105,000. Um, all three wins, though, were going long. And the foals that she produced are just a combined two for 32. Not a monster pedigree here. The barn has been... Burning a lot of money on the win end with first-time starters lately, they're running okay. They're just not winning. With the last 12 first-time starters, two wins, six seconds, and two-thirds, and then a fourth and a seventh. They're just... Remember, they take so much money that you gotta win at a better clip than that to keep a positive ROI when you're gonna be getting better a whole ton, but... You'd imagine she's yeah, he's going to be tough in here at the Gypsy King. Smooth Music is a son of uh, McLean's Music. The Dam was a nine-time winner, 125000 in earnings. Uh, the Lone Folder Race is over 2. Just one starter, uh, first-time starter for a barn, and it was a first-timer, and they ran 7th uh, at Turfway. So not a ton to go off with the uh, Smooth Music. But I do think there's a lot to like about Nick's front. The dam was a five-time winner, earned three hundred thousand, was stakes placed. Three foals, two of them are multiple winners, earned a combined two hundred thousand plus. So you have a strong, steady tab with fast workouts. You have a solid pedigree. You have a capable first out barn. You put them all together. To me, that's Nick's front in here. I've got the twelve on top of the eight. Orb of the Boro, of the 10, Gypsy King, of the 4, Casadero, then the 1, Nautilus. I would use the 8 and the 12 as the top tier, 
and then 1, 4, 8, 10, 12 on some other tickets as we move to race number three. And I think there's a top tier for me of the of the five and the nine. The nine Guska Moan Shoes. He didn't run poorly in any of his three starts at Oakland this year. And in his most recent start, he settled inside. He was like fifth or sixth. And he had to take back a little bit. Things got tight. He shuffled. He lost ground. He came on again. He was no match for the top two. But he he was a fine third that day. Clear-cut third. I think he gets the trip. You get a slight drop in class. This is a good spot for Guska Monshoes to sit uh, off the pace just a bit. The number five, Flight Time, first time gelding. He was last seen at Sam Houston on March the 4th, and he was pressing in the two path just off the leader. He put that one away and he drew off. It was a nice W. And he's run well previously at Churchill against $7,500 claimers. This is a great spot for him. He should be in the mix throughout. So I have the nine and the five as the top tier. Below them, I have the seven. Can't say no. For a barn who has been really good with limited numbers And he has enough speed to stay close But he can also pass horses I'm actually hoping he sits off the pace just a little bit You'll probably get some speed from the inside with Old Timer's Day You'll probably get a little a speed with a Proven Warrior You'll probably get a little bit of speed with Home View Flight Time I think is going to be right there Friday Night Star is going to be right there so I'm hoping that a horse like Can't Say No might be able to sit off just a little bit like Guska Monshoes. It's kind of why I went to that one for the uh, the top play. I feel like the trip will benefit Guska Monshoes. And maybe a horse like Little Mateo, who's cutting back from the mile to six furlongs. I'm not sure if he really wants to sprint. He was claimed for 18. He's in for five today. He gets back to dirt where he's he's had a couple monster wins. But they were going long. Is he going to be able to get that kind of a trip Where he just sits really close Or just steals a race going 25 and change Probably not 9, 5, 7, 8 That's the way I've got him stacked up In race number 3 at Churchill I'll use 9, 5 on one ticket I'll use another ticket where I use the uh, the 7 and the 8 Also, as we move to race number 4 And in the early exotics This is going to be the pivotal Key race for me because I'm singling the two Victory element who I think is going to get hit hard and, and bet quite a bit in here To me he looks like a horse who should be like 8-5 to 9-5 to five. This is a big drop down in class for him Look at who he's faced in his last Three starts Town Champ is a horse who won 4 of 5 at Oaklawn Then he came back on April the 10th there were two Next out winners that day Dunf came back to win an optional Claimer next out when he moved to a new barn and he absolutely crushed The fourth place finisher Won a 16 on 3 Then he was behind Lionite Who won a $25,000 Claimer next out And the fifth place finisher CZ Rocket Came back to win next out for 50 Those races are so much better Than this race right here Victory Element Is going to stretch back out to a mile He is the one to catch He is the one to beat he looks like he's the speed of the speed in here He's the fastest, he's close to the rail If he breaks well He's going to be in a situation where He's going to have a couple lengths on the field And if he's good enough He should be able to steal this race And beat this group, no doubt about it Who Who is the other early speed That's going to press him in here 
I just don't see anyone who has the kind of Legitimate sprint speed that he's shown So the two Victory element will be our single And the real key to the early part of that Churchill Friday card for us As we get to race number five at Churchill Another situation where I don't think there's a ton of speed On paper at least You have a couple horses who will will probably want to be close I don't think River Finn will be too far out of it I don't think Mishko will be too far out of it But self-taught To me feels by far the fastest in here Now It's going to be first time on the turf But the um, The dam And their sibs never uh, tried the grass So you, you can't take a whole lot from that This guy was right on the pace With Wells Bayou You can excuse the races in the slop too That he didn't finish well Two starts back he's behind Gold Street Who got really good and got really sharp And went on to win a stakes race following that Stakes win at fairgrounds He could be very tough to run down If he takes to the grass His main pace opposition Is probably River Finn And I think self-taught is faster Let's use the two in all of your exotics We'll put him on top We'll make a win wager if we can get you know, anything over like 5, 6 to 1 The 4, Mishko He comes out of a race where he was 4th in a field of 5 But the 3 who finished in front of him Are all pretty good They just ran back in $100,000 stakes Most uh, recently over the weekend They finished 2nd, 4th, and 10th that day But it was it was in a really tough group Mishko was part of a dead heat um, That was nearly a 3 horse Dead heat on February the 8th It was a really tight photo Between three And he was just a little outrun by the speed Last time out Hieronymus He makes a lot of sense in here This is a good spot for him The three automate makes a little bit of sense to me Let's take He didn't run poorly in that Oakland race um, Last we saw him Let's take a look at the two back race at, at Fairgrounds He had a slow start He was bumped on both sides He ended up fifth uh, About five off he was in the two path, then he was inside, then he was in a bent tight, he angled around four wide, then he splits horses, he angles in between again, he was moving up on the outside, he was a, it was a close, closing third, and it was really solid. If you get 6-8 to 1 or so, that's a very fair price on Automate. And then the number 6, Special Day. Look at his two turf races, they're sneaky good. He was uh, fourth in a race at Santa Anita going a mile and an eighth. And he wasn't beaten a whole heck of a lot He was behind a horse named Media Blitz Who uh, was second in that race And came back to win a maiden special weight next out So the race came back productive And the horse Royal Act Who you see in his other turf start on November the 10th That horse came back and was second in the Robert Lewis So he's in two tough turf races He has a little bit of trouble in his first one And now they gave him another opportunity on the grass I think he has a shot in here to improve on the grass He's coming out of a tougher race You can just put a line right through that one Special day For me it's 2, 3, 4, and 6 The one um, uh, Sugoi The dam never turfed The, sims, uh, the siblings combined um, Just 0 for 2 on the grass I, I, I wouldn't be shocked he, he has a little bit of ability But I think I just like some others a little more in here The 5 River Finn I feel sort of similar he uh, he battled back from the inside. I just I don't know if he's quite as good as some of the top uh, the top tier in here. 
So, I mean, you look when he faced Mishko on February the eighth, he was actually a shorter price than Mishko. Uh, River Finn was four to one, Mishko was six to one, but he really didn't have any excuses that day. He got bumped at the start a little. It, it says bumped at the start. It was nothing. Uh, he got right to the lead. He cleared. He opened up. He went twenty four and two that day. There's, I don't think there's any way he's going to be able to get that kind of a trip in here with other speed. The the seven, you know, maybe you want to go a little deeper for the love of bourbon. I guess you could make a case for this one. He comes out of three de- uh, decent races, but he was just eh in those race. Feels like the, uh, in those races, it feels like they're just kind of taking a shot here on the grass to see if um, maybe that'll wake him up a little bit. But the races aren't bad that he exits. I have this race pegged two, four, three, six in race number five. And then just kind of quickly going through that, that late pick four, which we already uh, spoke uh, in detail about with Scott a little earlier. In that sixth race, make sure to throw the one Rhea Monk in some of your tickets. This horse has a shot to at least get brave and maybe steal a piece um, using some speed stretching out from the rail. The three, dream a little dream of you, should be used in all exotics. I like the six a little more than Scott did. Strong flag. The five tempers rising would be my next horse. I would prefer that one. And and Vuit Tante, I wouldn't talk you off. I wouldn't talk you off Cherokee Maiden. So you'll see when I when I talk about how my tickets are, why how I'm approaching them. I do think this is a tough race. That's why I will lean toward a couple prices um, towards the top. That's what that's what happens when you when it looks like a tough race. And so let's give a shot to a, a bomb in here like Rhea Monk. The Seventh race, I have three, four, and twelve as my top tier. So Boulder, Baracho, and then Manny Wah underneath them. Uh, if I was going a little deeper, I would use the eight Hog Creek Hustle, the eleven Bourbon Calling, the six Home Base, and the seven Lexitonian. In race number eight. For me, it's Real News. This will be a horse who I'm going to single in some of the late exotics. I absolutely love Real News. One of my best plays, uh, my best play on the card at Churchill, and one of the horses who I think is just going to get a really, really great trip. Three, four, five, ten, nine is how I approach this race. But I have three, and as you know, a horse I'm going to build a lot of things around to close things out. For me, the the top tier. Is the eight and the nine, the the nine Alex's strike? Who you know told you the reasons why a little just a few minutes ago? But that's my top selection. The ten heroes reward. You know if you toss that four nineteen race going long on a wet track, I think the seven furlongs is going to be a really good trip for heroes reward. So I have this nine, eight, ten, nine, eight, ten, and then whatever you want to do with horses like the two and the five. Um, but I'm going to go 9, 8, and 10. Let's get to the plays for the day. So in the first race, we'll take the approach with a couple different pick fives. It'll be one ticket where it's going to be all. With 8, 12. With 5, 9. With two single victory element with all. So yeah, all in the first, all in the last, and then uh, short in the middle three. And then on the next ticket... It's going to be 1, 3, 5, 6 with 1, 4, 8, 10, 12 with 5, 7, 8, 9 with 2 with 2, 3, 4, 6. It's all going to come down to victory element. In the sixth race, if you're going to play some of those late pick fours, I would play a couple different tickets. The first one, 
1356 with 3412 with 345910 with 89 and another ticket's going to be all with 2346011 two, with 3 with 8910 that's the one where we're singling real news that's the ticket that I like of the the, the two the better to be honest um, where we have the coverage with really all the horses that we like around real news we're singling real news in race number 8 we're buying you know we're trying to turn it into a pick 3 pressing the all button in race 6 and then using 2 3 4 6 10 and 11 in the 7th single real news and then 8 9 10 to close things out so plays throughout the card the first the 5 super dude um, in the second the 12 nick's front in the third the 9 goosegum on shoes in the fourth the 2 victory element real big key to the day um, the fifth race, the two self-taught, hoping to steal the race on the front end. Same thing we could say for the sixth race with the one Rhea Monk. Hopefully, Boulder can sit the trip just off of that pace in the seventh, and and maybe similar with Real News with that inside draw, they have the option to maybe get aggressive or maybe to sit, and then hoping the additional distance will help the nine Alex's strike in race number nine. That's your Friday Churchill. Let's get you on over to Friday. Santa Anita So past performance is out for Friday May the 29th at Santa Anita To me it does feel a lot more obvious At Santa Anita I'm not going to be giving you a ton Of like uh, the big bombers that we like Or uh, anything outside the box But we'll play you know throughout the card We'll play that early pick 5 sequence And we'll be really Captain Obvious In, in race number 1 which is a Four and a half furlong, cowbred, maiden, filly, two-year-olds. You got a bunch of first-time starters in there. So we're going to use the uh, stars of Bluegrass, Smooth Like Butter, and Miss Glorious Blinkers on to the outside with the experience in there. The Mendez Barn is excellent with these uh, first-time starters like Smooth Like Butter. And then Star of Bluegrass looks to have shown a little bit of ability in the morning. So three, four, and seven to kick off that early pick five sequence in race number one. In race number two, it's going to be one, four, and five. The one busy painter, who's going to be dropping in class, took a shot against better off the claim, and now you get uh, Pratt to jump aboard with that speed from the inside. But the rail might, you know, they're going to be cutting back. The rail might not be easy for this filly if she has to work hard. There are others in here to include, like uh, she's a factor who's been in really nice form in the last couple, and on that turn back has the ability to sit and could have a little bit of a punch late pressing. And Uno Troublemaker, I think the same thing. This one's really, really quick and won't make it that easy on Busy Painter. So going five and a half furlongs in here, kind of race that uh, you know you wonder who's going to get the trip. I really wouldn't even talk you off a horse like Swirling who. With the same type of trip that she sat last time she wins, but when you see Maldonado, you generally don't think someone who's going to be taking back off the pace, you you think more speed. So this will be a fun race as far as what's this pace going to be like. There could be, uh, they could just be going really, really fast early. I I think that she's a factor, should be able to sit the best trip in here. So uh, yeah, for me uh, in this one, it's 4-1-5. And in the single, we'll come in race number three. That's going to be Bella Chica. She does not have to be as far back as she was last time out. She had a slow start, and then it took a few strides for her to get going. And at that point, she's last. She's on the inside. She ends up staying inside, and she's rolling late. She just missed second. 
And now she gets off the rail She moves more towards the outside I think that's going to give her the opportunity To show some options uh, to, have, to have those options with her style You know, she can. She's shown the ability to be right on the lead And now we know she can come from way out of it Seeing what she's done uh, last time out And then a couple starts back When she was like a little more mid-pack So a very versatile filly To me, this feels like her race to lose With that draw And I'm going to be singling the 7 In race number 3 we move to race number four in here And um, with the blinkers on I think KP Whirlwind from the inside Getting some class relief Has some legitimate trouble for in her poor performances Super Bunny This is like a Bill Spark special, right? When we'd get he would get horses off the claim like this, and she didn't run well first time. But when you freshen him up and he comes back, he's always been really good in spots like this. The five Billy K. You know, you put a line through the last start and two back. There was nothing wrong with that effort. That would make her super competitive in here. And then Boonesboro Beauty. Was beaten just a neck against the 12-5 non-twos back in February She was the the beaten favorite in a similar spot a couple times So she's the measuring stick for this field In race number 5 It's going to be 4 horses to close out that early pick 5 sequence For me, the 1, Munnings Plot Who should be sitting really close, stretching out The 4, Rail Spitter Who looks like the one to catch in here then Fengari is going to be really tough. Fengari ran very well coming off, uh, you know, a layoff from January of 2018 to February of 2020. We're talking a two-plus year layoff, and was only beaten a couple lengths and had every right to be a little tired and need that race. He took he should step forward with that race under his belt, and then you know a couple months now working since then. And then Fantastic Day, you have a, you know, first time gelding. Who debuted in the Bafford barn And now is going to be trying the the grass for the first time For a barn who's actually been warming up Quite a bit as of late So we're going to use the 1, 4, 6, and 7 That early pick 5 is going to go 3, 4, 7 With 1, 4, 5 Single to 7 in race 3 With the 1, 2, 5, 6 With the 1, 4, 6, and 7 um, Moving to race number 6 Curvaceous is a horse who I'd give a shot Right back, showed a little speed and uh, you get a little bit of relief Although going from the, the Calbred Maiden 50s to a spot like this The Open Maiden 25 is, is more of a lateral move But I think she's one you want to include And should be you know in the mix early At the very least Caught in a trap Putting two starts together now Might have needed the last one And a repeat of that debut race When behind next out winning Dorita's Lemon Would make this Philly very tough And then the first time starter Big passion for a uh, this just looks like a prime spot for a first-time starter. Nobody scares the heck out of you in here. Two, three, four. In race number seven, I'm going to single the deuce. Bella Vita, who got her prep race out of the way on May the 16th. And I just like the fact that, that she seems a little bit more versatile and she has a little more sit in her than some of the others. And if you look at you know Simon Callahan having two in here, I would not imagine that Bella Vita and Lighthouse end up going at each other early on, but I can see Lofty and Lighthouse and Mean Sophia going at each other early on. Maybe even a horse like uh, Custom for Carl from the rail having to use some speed to get position. I hope Bella Vita can sit off, which I'm expecting her to do in here. She should get a great, great trip making her second start off a, a short little break and and coming out of the evening jewel. Um, that was not an easy spot. That so you know Lofty was able to finish second against Open Company last time out, but that evening jewel w- was not a soft spot either for Bella Vita. The two will be our single in the late exotics, and then we'll just press the all button 
in uh, in race number eight, and uh, and hopefully we can get through with Bellavita single, and then be sitting back, kicking back, and uh, rooting for the price. So that late pick four one four six seven in race number five with the two three four with the two singled in the seventh with all in race number eight. That's your Santa Anita. Friday analysis. Best of luck on Friday. Make sure to tune into the next episode of That's What G Said. We will cover Churchill Saturday with Scott Shapiro on the stakes. Darren Zocali going to cover the late pick five with us. And Darren's also going to talk a little Santa Anita for Saturday with us uh, as well. So let's make some money on Friday. Right now, let's hear from one of our sponsors. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, Home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. Everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com, or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What G Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. A big week for AEW All Elite Wrestling. On Saturday night, they had the pay-per-view Double or Nothing, which I thought was was pretty good. Um, let's do a quick run-through of that, and we'll hit up what happened on, uh, on Wednesday night. Dynamite also. So on the pre-show, it was the best friends versus the best friends versus the private party. And they said a winner of the match will become the number one contenders for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. They had a number one contenders match on Wednesday, and it was funny because uh, Sexy Chucky T actually tweeted uh, about this, um, and it said, "I thought we were the uh, the number one contenders." So we'll see what ends up happening there as uh, 
they ended up winning the best friends and they are supposed to be number one contenders but now we have two versions of the number one contenders first match on the actual show was the casino ladder match where the winner receives a future world championship match it was Darby Allen versus Colt Cabana versus Orange Cassidy versus Joey Janela who was filling in for Phoenix who was hurt versus Scorpio Sky versus Kip Sabian versus Kazarian versus Luchasaurus and the surprise entrant Brian Cage who ends up winning the match he enters with Taz and so he is a uh, the man who will be taking on John Moxley for the AEW Championship at Fighter Fest. Brian Cage is your new number one contender for the title. Following this, we had, in my opinion, the match that stole the show. It was MJF versus Jungle Boy. This match was awesome. It was back and forth. They have great, great chemistry. It was... Just a match that I thought was going to be filler And it absolutely stole the show in my opinion uh, Go check this match out if you didn't get a chance to see it And it looks like they're they're trying to start to get behind um, Jungle Boy a little bit We know MJF has a great future And he's going to be in the main event picture I think for a long time to come The We saw Cody with Arn Anderson Versus Lance Arthur with Jake the Snake This was with Mike Tyson involved uh, With the uh, TNT Championship Just a little bit of a, a, a scuffle uh, with Jake, but nothing really with uh, Tyson getting too involved. We actually see him get end up getting involved on uh, on Wednesday night. Um, this was a, a good match. I felt like it didn't quite get to the next level, but it was there's I don't have any any knocks. Cody wins via pinfall. He is the AEW TNT Championship and AEW TNT Champion, and uh, Tyson celebrated with him in the ring. We then got an injury update on Britt Baker um, Britt Baker was not in the match That she was supposed to be against Chris Stantlander So Penelope Ford was able to fill in Stantlander gets the win There and um, this match was good It was it was not bad for a match that was just kind of a late um, They needed a fill in uh, Because of an injury Stantlander with the win We then had a Kind of a weird segment where Dustin Rhodes Basically squashed Sean Spears here Rips off his coat, rips off his shirt and he's like down to his skivvies He's got Tully Blanchard's face on his crotch And uh, on his boxers And Dustin just crushes him They announce uh, All Out will take place on September the 5th We had the Women's Championship match uh, New champion, Akuru Ishida Defeated Nyla Rose You could kind of tell they were they were starting to go this way And it's unfortunate because Britt Baker Was looking like she was kind of being built up To be the next contender And we find out that she's injured And she's going to be gone until um, September So Sheeta gets the win She's the AEW Women's World Champ We then had John Moxley Versus Brody Lee for the world title And this was a back and forth Fight I, I loved everything About the match Except for the finish, I saw a lot of people saying it's not a big deal. Um, I don't think that Brody Lee looked weak in this match, but I don't like the fact that he lost, which, which as we've seen already, is going to sort of eliminate him from the main event picture because now Brian Cage has already jumped into that number one contender spot. We heard MJF kind of talking about how come he hasn't been getting opportunities for a title. So I don't. I 
is we'll see how they follow up with this. He didn't even get pinned or submit. It was via referee stoppage that the referee stopped the match when uh, Moxley had a submission hold on in a chokeout. This was a, a fun match. Not a whole lot of bad throughout the evening. And then we had that main event. This was the stadium stampede match, and this was awesome. It was the elite. Kenny Omega uh, with Paige, the Young Bucks, and Matt Hardy versus the Inner Circle, Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz. This match was taped at a TIA Field Bank. They had a ring in the middle of the field. It was Falls Count Anywhere all over the stadium. They went all throughout the stadium, all around in the stands. They were in a pool. They, I mean, this was hilarious. This was fun. It was a little goofy at times, but I li- I loved it. It was different. You got to see some incredible funny spots from Matt Hardy. There was a moment where um, the... The Young Bucks were on the field, uh, jumped off the, the goalpost. Um, another moment where they they were in the pool, and it's the um, the pool of reincarnation. Every time Matt Hardy goes under the water, he comes up as a different version of Matt Hardy, which was hilarious. Um, they're in the bar drinking, and Paige is just doing some incredible stuff off the bar. They're all over the football field. Um, we saw Sammy Guevara getting run down by a horse and then by the golf cart again. I mean, this was just a spectacle. An absolute spectacle. We, we got a suplex spot all the way down the field, 100 yards down. Just suplex after suplex after suplex. Seek this out and watch it if you have not. The Stadium Stampede. Now, the only knock I have on the pay-per-views is at fifty bucks, it's just it's a little expensive, especially in this day and age when all these streaming services offer you, you know, for subscriptions, they give you the opportunity to watch their shows and their content for you know ten bucks, twelve bucks a month. I think at twenty dollars, the pay-per-views would get a lot more people to buy. Fifty bucks is just a lot to ask for one three three and a half hour show. Um. But but this is good. I mean, the the main event alone was uh, was worth it. And then we move on to Wednesday night on Dynamite. And backstage to start the show, Chris Jericho was talking to the Inner Circle. They were going to have a pep rally to get fired back up. They had to find a way to sell their Stadium Stampede Champions T-shirts. They have a full truck of shirts made that uh, obviously are going to have to get rid of because they're inaccurate. We had uh, to start Matt Hardy and the Young Bucks versus Joey Janela and Private Party. Um, and then backstage, we saw Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. They're leaving because they got stuff to drink. Um, Omega doesn't have a match, so they go to hang out and they uh, drink their milk and, the, and their alcohol. Matt Hardy and the Bucks versus Joey Janela and the Private Party. Uh, the Bucks and Hardy win. This was really a vehicle to bring in FTR. Formerly known as The Revival And they make their debut and, and they tease the match that many people have wanted for a while now The Revival no longer in WWE They are in AEW And it looks like they're going to be At some point getting into it with the Young Bucks Which should be awesome But what ended up happening is During the match uh, One of the Young Bucks Went into the crowd and hit the Butcher and the Blade So right after the match Butcher and the Blade Come in and uh, they attack the Young Bucks When FTR The Revival 
they come in in their pickup truck and they actually save the young bucks. So they have a little stare off and then they leave the ring. We got a Brian Cage with Taz squash match and uh, Cage um, Taz kind of gave his uh, his former catchphrase to Cage: "Beat him if you can, survive if he lets you." Britt Baker came out. She cut a promo. She discussed her. This was really good. She's gotten so good as a heel. She discussed her her injury, but hopefully they're gonna give her segments and keep her on TV. She I, it would be great to continue to build her character until she'll, she's able to come back at All Out on September the fifth. The AEW Women's World Champ uh, uh, Sheeta was basically in a squash match against Christy James. Sheeta gets the win via pinfall. We saw a little clip of Kenny Omega and Paige drinking a milk and, and alcohol in their hotel room while they watched. And then Cody comes out. He cuts a promo. He's the new AEW TNT champ, and he basically says that you know this is he's going to be doing an an open challenge. Um, Every week, as long as he's champion, he will be ready to defend the title every week on TV. Good promo, and that that could be really cool if we know every week we're going to get sort of an open challenge or Cody out there, a Cody match that uh, they're going to probably try to to build the show around with the the TNT Championship. That's something fun to look forward to each week. We got a tag match with Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian versus SCU, and they said winners get a tag team title match on next week's AEW Dynamite. So maybe the best friends who are the number one contenders get a a shot at after this. It just seems weird. And winners were Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, so they're going to get the shot next week. MJF cut a fun promo. They are definitely teasing some um, problems between him and Wardlow. And then it was the battle royal. MJF had talked about how you know he's been he hasn't been beaten in a, in a year, and he says you know how come he's not getting any championship opportunities? Battle royal time, and the winner of this battle royal gets a shot at the TNT championship on next week's show. I love battle royals, even even when they're just small ones like this. I'm a huge Royal Rumble fan. I always love the battle royal, and we were down to what four. MJF, Wardlow, Cassidy, and Jungle Boy. And, and you, you figured MJF was kind of the favorite in that situation, and MJF was is gone. I, they don't want to go to him and Cody, I think, too quickly. So MJF gets tossed. Wardlow gets tossed. MJF actually hit Wardlow and, and shook him up um, on accident. He, he swung and missed when he was trying to hit uh, Jungle Boy. And so it was Jungle Boy, Orange Cassidy battling it out, and Jungle Boy... Gets the win Sends Cassidy out to the floor with the Hurricane Rana So Jungle Boy gets the AEW TNT Championship match against Cody next week They should have a fun you know, 15 minute match or so So we don't next week We're going to get Cody versus Jungle Boy And we're going to get Paige and Omega Versus Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian Jericho is also going to be in a match uh, This uh, was the final segment It was the pep rally for the Inner Circle They had cheerleaders in the drum line Vicky Guerrero Introduced the inner circle They all came out um, They were giving each other Gifts Sammy, uh, you know they talked about how they didn't win the match But Sammy gave them all trophies And they each got individual gifts uh, Timberland boots Vicks vapor rub Jer- He gave Jericho a Mark Anthony photo uh, Jericho gave Sammy a scooter Since he's so banged up it, it, it was funny, this was good 
and they Hager reads a poem to the group, and then he kind of starts to snap. And then Jericho said what he wants most is Mike Tyson's head on a platter. Because he said he hasn't forgotten what Tyson did to him back in 2020 on a Monday Night Raw when Tyson turned on him. He, he didn't say Raw, but he said back in 2010, uh, back in 2020, what he did back in 2010 on a Monday night. And he said Jericho, uh, Jericho had said that Tyson turned on him that night. And ever since, he's been wanting to get revenge. So in comes Tyson with a group of guys, uh, Belfour and Henry Cejudo and... It was like Tyson's group lining up against the inner circle A little push back and forth A brawl sort of breaks out The locker room comes out And it looks like in some way, shape, or form We're going to get Jericho versus Tyson I, I don't. I hope this isn't a wrestling match I hope it's something like some Tyson has somebody wrestling for him And he's in their corner you know, Helping fend off the inner circle I just don't think Tyson can work in a match At this point It's not quite like it was before you know, 1998 with Austin and Michaels and DX and and he just never was one that would would be a great worker in the ring. He's more of the spectacle of, of being there and who's he going to be able to knock out? And I'm sure that's what at some point we'll see him. Uh, we'll we'll see him get a punch on Jericho. So a big week for all elite wrestling. Let's close out this show talking about our next. Best sports movie bracket for That's What G Said podcast. It is going to be best football movies. So if you remember, we haven't we haven't done one in a while. But so far, we did the best baseball movies, which Major League ended up winning. Best soccer movies, Bend It Like Beckham won. Best hockey movies, Slapshot won. Best horse racing movies, Let It Ride won. Best basketball movies, Hoosiers won. Best golf movies, Caddyshack won. And best wrestling movies, The Wrestler won. And you can't blame me because I can't even vote. I ask all of you out there to post on Twitter and Facebook for some of your favorites. I look through some lists. I make the brackets. I put the polls out. And then I don't even vote. It comes up. It's up to you all to head on over to follow me on Twitter and make sure to vote for the best football movies here is the field Some of the football movies that didn't make the cut I, I put them up on Twitter And, and some of you said that you didn't think they deserved To be in the football movie group um, let's Ace Ventura The Last Boy Scout And Silver Linings Playbook Those ones did not make the cut They weren't football-y enough But these 64 Yes, we got a field of 64 Of bracket Remember the Titans, cause baby there ain't no mountain high enough. The Comebacks, Gridiron Gang, Go Tigers, Draft Day, Balls Out, Leatherheads, That's My Boy, The Longest Yard, The Old One, I guess both of them. We have The Old Longest Yard and The New Longest Yard, Carter High, Father Was a Fullback, Friday Night Lights the Movie, didn't love nearly as much as the uh, the TV show, Big Fan, Johnny Be Good, The Fifth Quarter, we are Marshall. That is the first of the four brackets. The next bracket. Varsity Blues, 23 Blast, Monday Night Mayhem, 2 for the Money, The Replacements. Oh, now go, walk out the door, just turn around now. When the Game Stands Tall, Semi-Tough, Paper Lion, The Program, love that one. Undefeated, Coach of the Year, Horse Feathers, Necessary Roughness, Fumble Ruski, Triumph of the Heart, 
touchback and the blind side. That's the second bracket. Third bracket, Brian Song, Woodlawn. Uh, this one, the other longest yard is in this one. Uh, the best of times, greater the slaughter rule. Everybody's all American concussion. Little Giants, my all American. Harvard beats Yale, invincible. The freshman, Airbud, Newt Rockney, all American, and Jerry Maguire. So we've got three different all Americans uh, t- in the title in that little bracket, and then the final bracket, North Dallas Forty, the Roughnecks. All the right moves, the Cowboy quarterbacks, the Express, the long shots, all things fall apart, the water boy, the game plan, heaven can wait, Gus, any given Sunday, radio, Paterno, the quarterback, and Rudy. That is your field, the field of 64. Make sure to head on over to Twitter, follow me, it's me Gino B, and help me vote in all the polls if some of your friends out there love sports movies, or are football fans, or you know you remember watching some of these movies with them, make sure to tag them uh, and uh, get them involved in the voting and, and share it all around, it's more fun when there's a, a bunch of votes and, and we can see uh, what all the people think I love getting the comments from everyone out there too so, thanks for tuning in again this week folks, that is going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast don't forget to subscribe Anywhere you listen to your podcast, give us a nice five-star rating and review over on Apple, on iTunes if you can, and share the show around with your friends. Right now, we close it out with Joey Cleveland.